welcome to our Wow at Work podcast. We are your hosts, Liliana Ashton. And I'm Stephen Dargan. And today we will be covering, is the four-day week a possibility? I like this topic. This is going to be a good one today as well, because this is something I've inherently been interested in for quite a long while. Maybe even since the first day I started work, the thought of not working was always a part of what of my thinking. How could I work less, even though I was probably only 15 years old when I started in my first job? Um, yeah, I like this topic. Um, and I have a feeling that we are inching closer to the possibility of uh, a shorter working week. Um, I'm interested in the idea of why, in the first place, we work 40 hours and work five days a week. You know, how we ended up in this space and why we haven't really changed it in the last 100 years. We've been pretty much working the, the 40-hour, five-day week um, for about 100 years now, and nobody has really decided to to uh, challenge that. And I think it's time that it needs to be challenged but it's interesting because you say, um, I always wanted to work less, but I suppose the working less is not to related to working less productive. It's about making the most of your time um, and not necessarily just producing less. Is that right? Well, yeah. Well, I suppose where I was coming with that when I started at 15, when I was stacking shelves in a supermarket, I was just possibly thinking, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. So I'd rather be doing something else. And funny enough, when you're working in something that you really enjoy doing, like us doing this podcast, the other work that we do, uh, it doesn't feel as much like work as, you know, the other manual work that we might have done beforehand. But I am just really interested in the whole concept of uh, of working less hours simply because we've we've pretty much reached a stage where everybody is feeling so much more burnt out than they were before. And I'm just thinking, like we've got to a stage where we've got such advancements in technology, advancements in communication, advancement in uh, ideas about productivity. We've got more management books and leadership books than we could ever find on how to work better. And yet we're still in a stage where we're feeling high levels of, of burnout and stress. Like Harvard Business Review did a review quite recently, you know, 1,500 people across 46 different countries. So there's a very wide span of people in this review. And they discovered that 90% of those workers said that their work-life balance is getting worse. So in 2021, the work-life balance of people has has fallen almost off a cliff at a stage when you think it should have risen, you know, to stages where we're, you know, caring more about our workers, where people are feeling less burnt out by work practices that we've developed and people are sharing and using. And yet we've got to the stage now where we're, we're, we're feeling worse. And, and now, of course, both of us are very interested in, in finding, not just for ourselves, but also start to... To promote this idea in companies and corporations that there are other ways of working and I suppose it's one of the good things about the uh, COVID time that uh, companies have realized that it's not all about being at the, in the office at your desk um, at eight o'clock and leaving at six o'clock in the afternoon so yes. I think something we've discovered over the past um, 20 months or so is that we can actually be quite productive um, in situations when we never thought we would have been before. So the fact that many of us have been working, well, all of us pretty much have been working from home um, and we've adapted very quickly to it. And some of us have found that we've become far more productive from working at home. We're getting more done because we're not having to tap on the shoulder from somebody asking a question or wanting us to, you know, to you know, go to a meeting that doesn't make sense or whatever it might be. So all of that has sort of 
has not been a part of our life anymore like uh, or has not as been as an intrusive part of our lives anymore because we're working from home so we pretty much have have created the ground rules from here to be to, to be able to do the work that we do and w- the distractions are probably the biggest uh, hindrance uh, to being productive so when, when we talk about like the hours that we work our productivity our why we work 40 hours if we go back even as far as, say, 1930s. And people talk about this all the time, but the economist John Maynard Keynes, when he spoke in the 1930s about the fact that by the year 2030, we will all be working 15 hours a week. Now, we are no closer to working 15 hours a week, and this is only nine years away. So it seems like we've created more work. Like, there's a really good law called Parkinson's Law. I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but it's pretty much that work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. So that's what we're doing. And pretty much our 40-hour working week is that. So we're just expanding at work, you know, to, to, to fill that, that five-day week. Like, if you can see the amount of productivity that isn't happening on a Friday afternoon and the amount of time that people are trying to make up or look busy uh, or make up time on a Friday, it's huge. And if we could just roll that back and say that the Friday afternoon makes no sense. It's the most, or probably the least productive time during the week. Why are we cutting ourselves by just sitting in offices and sitting in workspaces, just treading through time to try and get to that four o'clock or five o'clock bell and then walk out and feel like we've been productive for the day when the truth is we haven't been. And we would have been better served if we were at home spending time with our friends, family, doing activities we enjoy, volunteering in the community or whatever it might be. So now we, we've we created a work week that's 40 hours and really the question that I'm beginning to ask is do we need to be in the office or in the workspace for five days? Do we really need to work 40 days? And many people will argue and say, of course we do. And you're going to get pushback from lots of organizations, lots of, lots of sort of um, workspaces, specifically investment banks, um, don't like the idea of working shorter hours. People who work within medicine say it's going to be impossible to be able to work a shorter, uh, shorter working week too as well. And some services um, will also say the same thing. How can I possibly close my business on a Friday or for one day of the week? That just doesn't make sense. But I think like just you and I having this conversation is opening up the conversation with other people. And we, we can't change the way people think. We can just ask these questions and, and these questions get people thinking differently. Absolutely. And I can't help but uh, remembering a dear friend of mine, a professor of physics at UMIST University, where I sat most of my exams uh, as, a, as an engineer, software engineer. He used to say to me, human nature abhors vacuum. So I suppose that's exactly what happens to us. If we've got 40 hours and we have to be in the office, then we will fill those hours and more just to because we, as humans, abort this vacuum of not having something to do during those times. But uh, it's, it's, I suppose it's, again, going back to, to this quality and uh, the quality of what we produce in the time that we need to produce. And as you said, depends on what we are doing. So I think it's more about working smarter depend, depending on what we do. People are beginning to look at the possibility of a four-day week. They're beginning to look at this and think, that is it really necessary? Um, at my conference last year, um, in the Happy Workplaces Ireland conference, we had a wonderful speaker, and it was, it was a man called Andrew Barnes, a guy called Andrew Barnes. And Andrew is uh, CEO of an organization called Perpetual Guardian, which is based in Auckland in New Zealand. And Andrew has 
decided, I think, around about 2017 that his company with 250 employees, Perpetual Guardian, were going to look at the possibility of how they could create a four-day working week for the organization. Um, And now at 2021, they have been over two years into that project and it seems to be working very well. And when looking at it, I suppose what he really wanted to be able to to get out of that is like, like the idea of we are approaching like more stress and more burnout. Are we less creative? Are we just using up hours because we're stuck in work and we're not really being productive? So that's one of the things that they want to be, to be able to research and to be able to understand before they went into this. Um, and I suppose he did a lot of research. He was very good at being able to get a lot of research, uh, put a trial in place. And one of the things that he discovered was this, is that we live in a world of distractions. And I've said this before, we're talking about work is that there's not much, as Jason Fried from Basecamp, who also does a four-day week from May the 31st every summer till August the 31st, his organization do a four-day working week. And yeah, and one of the things that Jason says is that there's not much work getting done at work these days. And it's not, it's because of all the distractions that we have from work. Like, I can't even imagine what it must be like to work in an open plan office. How difficult that must be, you know, with all the different sort of sounds bleeding in from other people's phone calls and conversations. Uh, So if you can find a way in your organization to be able to reduce all that disruption, reduce all that distraction, um, you're on you're on a hide to finding ways to be allow people to become more productive, get more done in a shorter space of time. And when you can find a way to be able to do that. Um, you you need to build trust with the people within your organization. So build trust that you're doing this for the right reasons. You're not doing this for the reason to try and eliminate people. You're not doing it for the reason because you want to pay people less. Because one of the things that those two organizations I just spoke about, Andrew Barnes's Perpetual Guardian and Basecamp, is they all pay for five days, even though they only work for four days. And that's the importance. So if you're, you're, you're not paying for people's time anymore, now you're paying for people's productivity. And if people can show that they can be productive in less time, all the better. So I think that's that's what's really what's interesting in that. And, and, and Andrew did that in his organization. And listen, there was doubters within the organization. There will always be people who think there's something behind this. You're doing this for some other reason than you just want our well-being at the forefront of your thoughts. You're doing, yeah, you're doing this because you want to either, you know, minimize the amount of employees within the organization. You're looking at closing the organization. What, what, what are you thinking of doing here? So people will always have those questions and always have those doubts. And one of the interesting things that Andrew had pointed out too was, is that when it actually came into play and people had only four days of work. Now, you've got to remember in his organization, the four day week doesn't mean it closes on Friday, close on Monday. They have to stretch that out over the week. So it's open for the five days. So some people will have a Tuesday off. Some people will have a Wednesday off. And people really struggled with the idea of I've Tuesday off. What do I do? I've never had a Tuesday off. What do I do? And he said for the first first number of for, for the first few months, people really struggled with the idea of what would they do with their Tuesday? And then after a while, they began to get into this rhythm of going, wow, I've got every Tuesday off and this is what I do. Suddenly I'm volunteering into, you know, in my community or I'm spending more time with the kids or the family or I'm doing this activity that I really enjoy doing. And now I do it on Tuesdays. But it took a while for their mindset to be able to change to go, what do we do with a Tuesday off? And now they, if, if you went to them now, they wouldn't want to take back. And taken back is the important thing here because this is what Andrew calls it. The four-day working week that day that you get off is, is a gift. And a gift can be taken back if it doesn't work. So if productivity had dropped within that, that, that time frame that they were working in, that they were trialing the, the, the four-day working week, if productivity had dropped, well, then the gift would be taken back. We'd have to revert back to the way we worked before. 
but they didn't have to revert back to the way they worked. They actually saw productivity go up in their organization, which is quite incredible when you think about it. It stabilized at first, but then it's begun to go up. And then they've seen all the other parameters, uh, uh, variables change, uh, burnout, stress, all those things have began to drop. Employee engagement also rose within the organization. And I suppose one of those things that you mentioned, employee engagement, I can imagine that um, if I'm not performing and not, I'm not being productive with four days, with the four days a week, that I've been given, then I'm part of a team. So I'm actually letting my team down. And potentially, if I don't deliver what I expected to deliver um, through previous agreements, of course, then I'm thinking, okay, I'm potentially jeopardizing this benefit for the for the uh, good of everyone. Um, so it does definitely. I can see that it will uh, incentivize teamwork and a sense of community in most people. The team will always hold you accountable. And um, the first time I saw this in play was when I read a book I've mentioned before, which is Ricardo Semler's um, Maverick. Um, and he took over his father's company in Brazil back in the 1980s. And one of the things that he introduced into the manufacturing process they had in their factories was that all the teams were self-organizing. So if the team... Um, that usually used to work beforehand to production, say they started production at eight in the morning and it would finish at half four in the evening. Instead of that happening, they were just told all they had to produce was this number of, we're going to use the word widgets, okay? So if they produced 100 widgets a day, that was it. That was their production finished. Once they got to that point, that's all they needed to do. So they didn't, and if that happened by half three, that was fine. The team had managed to find some way to be able to do it. If the team wanted to come in early because they found that traffic was bad in um, Sao Paulo where they lived, they could decide to come in at half six in the morning when there's less traffic on the road, get their working day done by half two and then go home. Once they could work alongside the other teams on the production line to, to allow that to be able to happen. So when I first saw that happening of self-organizing teams, like the aha moment began to sort of whirl inside of my head. And I began to think, yeah, it's, it's amazing what when you let people, give people the greater autonomy or give teams the greater autonomy to be able to make decisions, they come up with really, really good decisions or come up with the best decisions uh, for themselves and for working practices. And what Ricardo also said in this was, if you, here's the problem. So if you wanted just 100 widgets made a day, right, and the 100 widgets were made up of a couple of other products and materials that needed to be ordered and salespeople had to sell and all that kind of stuff, if suddenly your team is producing 125 widgets a day because you've getting them to work till half four, um, then you've got a problem. So the salespeople are under pressure to try and sell more of the product. Um, and then you've got more of the supplies in. The supply chain needs to be pretty tight and all this kind of stuff. And everybody else is put under pressure. And really, you want to, you don't want to do that just for the sake of doing it. So it's, yeah, it's, a, it's about getting teams to organize themselves. I know that they had done this in Toyota in, in one of the Scandinavian, in one of the Swedish, I think it could have been Gothenburg or Malmo. I'm not quite sure where uh, Toyota were based up there. But the guys who did work in the, in the Toyota uh, servicing plant um, decided on their own hours. And they wanted to be able to sh- change their shifts to come in from, I think it was about six in the morning till two. So there was no traffic at six in the morning. So they came in, free flow of traffic, got to work. When they finished at two o'clock, there was no traffic going home. So they were never caught in that. And the team that were coming in at two o'clock were never caught in traffic because there was no traffic on the road at two o'clock. And when they finished their shift then later in the day as well, there was no traffic. So they avoided all those things and there was less stress on arrival to work and less stress leaving work. And um, when, when we look at the four-day week, are there any specific areas that we should also point out that could be a challenge for 
for employees and for companies uh, to if tomorrow they were all to implement a four-day week, no matter what? One of the biggest things I'd say is, is trust and, and the reason why you're doing that. And I'd say if you're going to go down this road, I, I think you would be best held to do some consultation with people who've gone down that road before. Um, there is an organization that Andrew has set up called the Four Day uh, Work Week, uh, and and Andrew has been consulting with various different uh, uh, companies about how they can possibly go around that. So I talk to people who have gone down that road before. What is their experience? What is their uh, pitfalls? There is a company here in Ireland I know called ICE Ice Training over in Galway. They have done the four day working week, and they've done it for got a two and a half years now or so and it seems to be working in their favor um but to talk to to people who you know have set up their four-day working week would be a a great way forward and also to understand that if there is failure to maintain any productivity over the course of the four-day working week it may result in the loss of it and reverting back to what we did before and i can imagine for any organization who went down to the four-day working week and found that they had to go back to the five-day working week it'd be almost harder to fix it the opposite direction backwards if you told everybody they're back to five days than four uh, than it would be to try and put the effort and time in to find a way to definitely allow uh, the four-day working week to happen. As I said before, Liliana, it's, it's down to distraction. So in work, one of the things that I talk to organizations about and I say that if you can do simple things, like I've, I've got my noise cancelling headphones here, which I put on certain music, which is a low ambient music, and it just gets me into a creative state. But if I was working at a desk in an open plan office, or even in an office, I'd have little signs to show that do not disturb Stephen, he's in heavy work or whatever, you know. And it could be a cuddly toy, as I said before, on my, my desk or a flag, or it could be a sign on my door, whatever it might be. And it doesn't mean you're being rude, but you're just allowing people to know that you're just not available at this moment in time. And then when you are, just take away your flag or your cuddly toy and people will know that you're you're open for conversation or whatever you know but that should be minimized so you're getting your work done and so you're you're more in flow during the week your your working day you're more productive and then you're you're using your breaks well so this is also very important that when it comes to your break time you completely disconnect from work so you disconnect from the job that you're doing and you don't do half work and eat your lunch looking at your screen you walk away from that as um Dan Pink talks about this, and I've mentioned this before. Leaving your desk and and becoming sort of fully detached is always better than being semi-detached. And being with other people is also better than just being solo in, in those situations. So you've got to find ways to be able to to, to have those breaks. Um, they're a must in, in situations like that, so that when you come back to work, you're more focused and you're ready to be more productive. One question that comes to mind is you, you're talking about the four-day week. However, how about if those four days or how many hours those four days represent can be spread across five days? Because some people might say, and I can, I can also relate to that. Some people might say I'm much more productive, let's say, in the morning. So I'd rather do five days in the morning or much more productive in the afternoon. I'm not a morning person, so I want to work every afternoon. And in the morning, I want to do my other things. Uh, but I'm still going to be as productive and I'm going to work the amount of hours, the same amount of hours of the four-day week. Those, I suppose, are the challenges that employers will have to face. And I think so, because I think you should actually create just what you talked about it's called an opt-in policy so you don't definitely if you have this in your organization you can't force everybody to work four days 
you have to give them the option that they can continue if, if, if they want to be able to work the four or five days unless the team is doing something completely different. Some people find that coming to work is an outlet for them that they just don't have at home. Um, some people have a social connection that they just don't get at home. I remember working for an organization once and somebody who'd worked for the organization since they were a teenager was getting to the stage of retirement. So this person, she was 65 years old, but had worked for the organization for over 50 years of her life. And she finished up on the Friday and everybody gave her gifts and said, you know, thanks for working and all that kind of stuff. And he had a bit of a celebration and she left on that Friday evening. She turned up on Monday morning again to work because she knew no different for the 50 years. And they had to explain, you don't work here anymore. And it was sort of heartbreaking in many ways to see too as well, but she didn't know any different. So for her, coming to work for those five days was more than just working out like you know what she'd get paid at the end of the week and, and an ends to a mean it was it was a connection with people that she wasn't experiencing in her in her home life so we need to be aware of that too so it's 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 an opt-in rather than it's a forced thing because that may not suit all staff Stephen, you've just touched on to another key um issue potentially for employers and uh, that is to do with what is the time and days when everyone will be in the office to be able to have that human connection? So now with flexibility and four days and potentially would be core hours. But again, of course, there is some kind of structure to implement there. So people have flexibility around some kind of a structure that will allow people to organize meetings where they need other people in the organization to coordinate the work that they need doing because of course an organization it's all about the people those people are working in teams and if those teams can never have the a structure to work together could also um, impact productivity yeah and that is going to be a problem um, going forward it is like how do we manage this hybrid working model and how is it going to work best like is everybody wanting and, and it's only human nature for us all to say the day i want off a week is definitely going to be either monday or friday and uh, nobody's going to be shouting for the wednesday or the thursday well most of us will not be doing that and even in the hybrid working model where people want to work remotely or we're work, working remotely and in the office maybe for most organizations are i can see that most organizations they can't have everybody off on the monday or they can't have everybody off on the friday so they have to be able to work this this system where you share out the five-day working week between the teams and i think always when it comes to these these questions is 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 about you being able to consult with the team where everybody's voice is taken into account and you have a good candid conversation about what's going to happen next which are working structure and how and rather than you giving the answers because so many CEOs and leaders in organizations will just by human nature want to give the answer and tell them this is exactly what we're doing this is the way it'll be working put it out to the people and ask your people what they think would work best and many times people will come back with you know the best answer that works best for the organization and uh, and works best for them like when we come to the four-day working week this is becoming becoming more widespread so we, we've seen a pilot that happened up in Iceland. I think they did between 2015 and 2000. And, uh, up to now, I think they've been doing it for with about 2,500 um, civil service workers. And when they did that, they saw all of these benefits, like less burnout, less stress, more time with family, more time actually giving back to community. Because what people generally do with their day off is that they volunteer into, into you know, things that they normally couldn't get a chance to do during the week. So people generally don't want to spend their week sitting at home watching Netflix or doing absolutely nothing. They're catching up on things that give them a sense of, you know, 
there might be stuff need to be done in the house. Yeah, and there's purpose too as well that they mightn't experience the work, but they might get outside of work by giving something back. So I, I can I can see that that the, the benefits not only happen to the, the the people that work within the organization but there's also a wider benefit that happens to society and not just through that can you imagine that if one day a week there was less cars on the road there was 20 percent less cars on the road because everybody is working a, a four-day week so for there, there, there's less you know there's less pollution you know we talk about climate change and the importance of addressing all of that maybe there's less power needed in the office um because we're switching on less machines and there's all these benefits that um accrue to to the wider society in general from from working less less traffic on the roads everything else yeah absolutely and uh, talking about less things less is more and as they say but uh, also about less um less stress i suppose um and it's another topic that uh, we've been discussing uh, in the past and we will be discussing in 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 our Uh, future episodes and uh, yeah so how to reduce stress and uh, for me it's particularly interesting to to learn how to manage this stress and 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 one of the tools of course is uh, our breath and um, this is why at the end of this podcast I will be offering a very short and effective breathing meditation exercise fantastic and I, and i'm finding more and more organizations are looking for programs based around how they can reduce uh, employee stress and employee burnout and and when you think about what's even happened the last 20 months even without having to go to work just the stress of what was going on around you know our families around the world around our health and everything else and having to combat that that was stressful enough if we had to do nothing because The prime example of of how stressful the last 20 months have been, our impact has been on everybody, is if you could think of somebody in your world that you know has retired, say, say, an older relative that has retired, and ask them, because they didn't have to go to work all day um, or five days a week, did they feel no stress whatsoever over the last 20 months? And the truth is they felt huge levels of stress they did. So they felt that without having to go to work. And yet us, all those people who did go to work, and had to combat that stress that they were feeling from what was going on outside in the world, that all came together. So it's no surprise that we're feeling this. This I think the word of this year is going to certainly be overwhelm. We got this feeling of overwhelm. And what actually happens to us in our bodies is that like, we work in 90-minute cycles or 120-minute cycles. They're called ultradian rhythms. And the ultradian rhythms is just our body adapting to, to, to what's going on. So it, you've got a better energy to work a good 90 minutes work or a good 120 minutes work. That's all you have. And what actually happens is after that 90 or 120 minutes, the body is going to process, first of all, all the information that you took in. So it puts it into little filing systems in our brain. So it's trying to store it away. So that's why we begin to feel a little bit sort of um, uh, confused or not being able to concentrate. And the second thing that's beginning to happen as well is that your body's lymphatic system is trying to get rid of all the waste that it produced in that 90, 120 minutes. And that's why we begin to feel sluggish and tired. And that's why breaks over that period of time, taking regular breaks, you know, in that 90 or 120 minutes, but definitely after 90 minutes to 120 minutes, definitely you should be taking a break at that stage. And by doing that, you're allowing your body to restore to its natural senses, when you come back to do some more work, you are more productive again. And if you can abide by those rules, by taking regular breaks, you know, in between your 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 productive day and work, you'll find that you get 
more work done in less time and you've got greater ability to be able to either apply a shorter working day or a shorter working week to your experience. And there's no reason why we can't all do that. But we're doing the opposite. We're doing the opposite. And it, it's, it's causing lots of problems. We're working through our lunch breaks or we're not disconnecting through our lunch breaks. And outside of that, technology is also um, yeah, causing us all sorts of problems. It is, you know, it's, it, it's it, the constant buzz of interruption as well. is causing all those, those, those micro interruptions are causing huge, huge problems with us, with, with ourselves. And, and on average, most of us spend about 150 times a day just checking our phone. So put that on top of all the work that you've got to do as well. It's, it, it's, it's a lot. Absolutely. I suppose talking about stress, um, there is this concept, concept that all stress is bad, but of course, it's how we manage this stress and how we harness it as well that uh, is important and, and is the key here. So, but more on that on our next episode. And, and, and the one thing before we do end up finishing today is, is, is just the idea of that we've, haven't we, haven't we, Lidiana, just haven't we praised the people that work the long hours, the, the Elon Musks, these guys that seem to do these hundred hour weeks. And we say that they are the, and, and really at the end of the day, they're, they're, there's only a certain number of people can put that amount of effort and time in. And when you work for an organization like that, that has a leader like that, how difficult it, it must feel for everybody else in the organization because you can never match up to that hundred hour. If you did, you probably would have been the CEO in the first place. But it's yeah, it's such just a difficult uh, template uh, to provide for the rest of us. And it's causing lots of stress. This idea that we have to be this always switched on, amazingly, you know, 100% person all the time. And that's not the way humans are built. That's why the stuff that you have, have, have brought into our worlds, which are, which are breathing techniques, like there's a magic that happens in that. Like what happens when we, when we use those breathing techniques? Well, through, through our breaths, we send our minds messages. And if we're breathing short and fast, we're sending the message to our brains that we should be, we are in danger and we should be uh, in fight and fly mo- mode. If we breathe um, more gently, slower, diaphragmatically, then of course the brain then receives the opposite um, message and allows us to rest and digest. I mean, this is a simple explanation, but of course breath has become the, it's really becoming the the new yoga, it's becoming the most effective therapeutic uh, practice, a practice that now psychologists are encouraged to not ignore in every uh, therapy session. Um, Because when we can use our breaths to sleep better, to perform better, to manage stress uh, better, then we will have a better quality of life and a better quality of work and talking about productivity at work. And of course, that has a correlation very tightly uh, linked to how we feel in our personal lives because we when we don't have compartments we are one person and we bring whatever we have at home at work and vice versa so yes the breath is absolutely a golden ticket to to explore when we're burnt out we're, we're no good to anybody forget about even just being good to work we're no good to our family we're no good to ourselves it's the idea of putting that oxygen mask on first so I think the concepts that we've spoken about today, about working shorter hours, or even just working more productively in a shorter amount of time, and just getting work done, and then just going home. 
Bronnie Warr is a palliative care nurse and has written a great book and it's called The Five Regrets of the Dying. She's an Australian palliative care nurse, which are the nurses that help people at the very last stages of their life. So they're just about to pass away. And the one of the regrets that she constantly spoke about is this, that every single male patient that was coming to the last stages of his life had said to her, I wished I spent less time at work and more time with my family, the people I loved and doing the things that I cared about. That is a that's when we think about is when we've come to the last stages of our life and that's 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 our regret. We can't take that back because if you and your organization can have a conversation about the possibility of the working week, I would ask any organization out there just even to throw out that conversation to think of the possibilities of what might happen. It mightn't go down the alleyway you wanted to go down. It, it mightn't become something. But I, I want people to set the seeds of the possibility of how society, how stress, how, you know, communities, how families would benefit how even climate would benefit from working the four-day week. If you tried it, you're probably going to find out that six day, sick days within your organization will definitely drop. Output and profitability is going to rise. Certainly job applications are going to increase. So you're going to get the best workers wanting to come and work for you. Yeah, uh, Resignations are certainly going to drop. Maybe they're going to stop altogether. People are going to feel and be notably less stressed. And I can just see the caliber of, of work just increasing across and improving across the business. Wonderful. Wow, I really enjoyed this conversation now. Thank you, Stephen. And now, if you're all ready, I would like to invite you to join us for our meditation breathwork. It's breathwork with meditation, with ocean sounds, and you will be making waves with your own breath to reduce stress, to calm, and to become more energized, with this calmness. This breathwork guided meditation is set in a beautiful ocean. Depending on where you are listening to our podcast from, please try to find a place where you will not be disturbed for the next three to four minutes. Now, arrive here and find a comfortable seated position with your back nice and straight. Either sitting on a chair or on the floor with your legs crossed with a firm posture but a comfortable posture. Now come to your breath breathing from your belly Breathing in and out through your nostrils. Count four as you breathe in and four as you breathe out. Now inhale. And exhale. Two, three, four. As you exhale, draw your tummy in. In slight support to your lower back. Feel your chest bone lifting slightly as you breathe, but concentrate on breathing through your belly. The shoulders relaxing with your breath and keep going. And exhale. 
Close your eyes and imagine that your breath is like the wave of an ocean. As you inhale, the wave rises and you exhale and the wave falls. Inhale, the wave rises. As you exhale, the wave falls. As you inhale. And exhale. And as you continue to follow the wave that you are creating with your breath, imagine that the breath is on the surface of a vast ocean of awareness as you inhale and exhale and at the same time now as you follow the wave-like motion of your breath bring your awareness below the surface of the water and go deeper And deeper. Down into the depth of the ocean to an inner place of stillness. Holding that space of deep inner stillness. Continue at the same time to follow the wave-like motion of the breath. As you inhale, the wave rises. As you exhale, the wave falls. Holding on to this aspect, the two aspects of your being at the same time inhale and exhale you are breathing the dynamic flow of energy and at the same time this deep inner stillness in the depths of the ocean you inhale as you exhale as you continue to listen to the sounds to take you deeper into your practice 